Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show. My name is Dustin Heiner, and I'm here to help you learn how to quit that J-O-B, that just overbroke job, by investing, by having a side hustle, by being a freelancer, any means possible. And today, we're going to look at how creating stock photography pictures can actually make you money in passive income. That's where you basically take a picture of things, put them online for people to buy, you work one time, and then they buy them over and over and over again. You make money in passive income. All right, let's start the show. Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show, the place where ordinary people become extraordinary by finding the path to financial freedom through entrepreneurship, side hustles, and passive income. We've already blazed the path, showing you how to retire early and have financial independence so you will never work for someone else again. And now, here's your host, Dustin Heiner. Hey, what's up, guys? Super pumped to have you here on the Successfully Unemployed Show. Now, I am really excited to help you learn how to make more money. Like, literally, like that's what this episode is all about, is making more money. Because when you think about it, right now, there is so much inflation going on. Like, I literally took my kids to Chinese food last week, and it was, you know, my wife and myself and four kids, not the biggest kids in the world, they don't eat a ton, but we paid $120 and it wasn't some fancy restaurant. It was just some regular, you know, normal Chinese food restaurant, $120. This is Chinese food. It should be like half that. And so we know prices of everything is just skyrocketing. It's going up and up and up. And there's only so much that you can do to cut expenses. Now, I personally am frugal and I encourage you to be frugal as well, or at least Be aware about how much money you spend and try not to spend on things that aren't necessary, um, especially in a time like this where food prices are skyrocketing. Entertainment type things are skyrocketing. Gas is literally double or triple. In fact, I was paying a year and a half ago, I was paying $1.89 or $1.99, right around $2. Now it's literally $6 a gallon here in Arizona. So there's only so much you can cut. There's a saying that is really, really good. It's called save a buck. You want to continually save a buck and save a buck and save a buck. I and mean, we know a, a penny saved is a penny earned, which is absolutely. But there's only so much that you can save, only so much that you can cut, like expenses-wise. Now what we need to start doing is making a buck. We need to make a buck. And this is this episode is fantastic because it really doesn't take that much effort or work to start making more money passively. You guys know I love passive income. My other podcast is called Master Passive Income, where it's literally just me teaching about rental properties and real estate investing and how to make money passively. Like I work one time, buy a house, and then it works for me automatically. I have other people do, you know, property managers to contractors and roofers and all those other people. They do all the work and I reap the benefits by making that money in passive income. Now, there are so many other ways to make passive income. And this is why I brought on my guest. Now, I met this guest. He was at a podcasting conference. I was at PodFest. It's down in Florida. Great conference for podcasters. Absolutely loved it. And at podcasting conferences, I love just meeting new people and seeing how they make money for themselves and their family and then find great people to interview on the Successful Unemployed So, So I am super pumped to bring on my guest. You're going to find out so much more about him. That's actually super awesome. In fact, in this episode, we started talking about just random things because he was a great guy and we enjoyed hanging out. And then I said, let's just jump on a show. Well, it turns out as he was explaining certain things, I realized like, my goodness, you 
literally make one to 2000, maybe even $5,000 a month, depending on the month, but you make one to $5,000 a month doing stock photography on top of your real estate, on top of your businesses and everything else that you have. Like that's another thing that you have. Let's, let's dive into that. So I'm super pumped that he actually is sharing this with us because anybody can start doing stock photography and start making just a little bit of money and then make a lot of money. And I want to see you do that as well. All right, let's jump in the show where I bring on a fantastic guest. His name is Justin Skinner. He has his own podcast as well, and I'm bringing him on so he can show you how you can create passive income, become successfully unemployed with stock photography. Justin, thank you so much for being on the show. Dustin, thanks for having me. We were at the conference. And I'm wearing my shirt that says successfully unemployed. You want to say one I'm wearing now, if you guys can see the video. Um, and you just stopped and said, hey, I like your shirt. And that started the conversation. So just having a conversation, like starting an initial conversation is always fantastic. If you go to any conference, like just start the conversation. If somebody's jerk, you'll figure it out really quick and you can move on. If not, just, you know, start the conversation. So uh, it's great having you on. So could you tell us uh, basically how do you provide for yourself and your family without working that dead-end J-O-B, that just overbroke job. Yeah, and I'll, I'll answer that. I want to add to the shirt, too. I loved your shirt, and that was like the, the reason why I stopped. It was one of those double takes. I was walking by, and I saw you, and I thought, oh, that's a cool shirt. And then it took me like a, two seconds to realize what it actually said, and then I went back, and I was like, love your shirt. So anyway, the shirt, <laughs> the shirt did the trick. It was, it was I love the title of it. I love everything. So um, to answer your question, um, what do we do to provide for ourselves? So we're in real estate. Um, we have a lot of income from real estate and then we also have income from, we were in uh, graphic design for about 10 years and we owned a company. And so we did stock photography and we also, uh, had, uh, our hand in some apps. So app development. So we had a couple of projects that, uh, we still get royalties to, to this day. So, uh, for the most part, um, other than those I'm doing commercial real estate. So we'll get commissions from that. But I would say our, our freedom money comes from our real estate and our, our royalties. And you have some Airbnb, is that correct? Correct. Yeah, we do several. We've got, I think we've got 11 or 12 Airbnbs. Uh, most of them we cater to like traveling nurses. And then uh, the others, we've got a couple on the lake that we, we rent out more for, you know, vacationers and things like that. But, but yeah, we, we stumbled upon the Airbnb model uh, early in our real estate uh, investing career, and we've loved it ever since. That's fantastic. And now since you have now also been helping other people in a sense with your podcast. So you have the podcast. Is there anything else online that you're doing? Or is a podcast just more of like an outlet to, to meet great people as well as get good stories out there? Yeah, yeah. I've got the podcast called The Professional Failure Podcast. And then I've got the book. I wrote a book in April as well called Professional Failure. Uh, so those are out there. I would say that those both of those are far from making me any money. So it's more of a passion project. Um, but it's really fun to, to hear stories from other entrepreneurs and we've interviewed, you know, teachers and, uh, all the way up to multimillionaires. So it's been fun to see that, uh, not just business, but just, um, the, the wisdom of life come through in some of those interviews. Now, before we jump into any more, I really am curious about the idea. Cause when you told me about your podcast, at least the title name being professional failure, I was like, you know what? I, I didn't even have to really think too much about it. I didn't even have to ask questions because I know I learned so much more from my failures and those literally stick in my brain and I can't get those out because it hurts. I hate failing in a sense where I don't like being wrong. I don't like doing things wrong. I love doing things right and being successful. But when I am uh, you know, a failure, I do something that fails, it really makes me learn a huge lesson. So I appreciate 
my failures. So I just got to say, I think it's a fantastic way that people can actually learn so much more from other people. Because there's a saying, a wise, or sorry, a smart man learns from his own mistakes. A wise man learns from other people's mistakes. So I love that you have that podcast. And I've already listened to some episodes now. And it's just great learning from other people's mistakes. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. And I know I would have people, you know, several years ago, and they'd look at, you know, either the success we have in real estate or where we're at, and, um, you know, being entrepreneurs, and they're like, how do you get there? You know, I feel like you're, you know, an overnight success, or you know, all these things. And in reality, when I was looking back, it really was these small little stories of failures throughout my life that I learned from and I just kind of stored away. So that's been the fun part too, as we're going along, uh, kind of reliving some of these stories of failure and remembering back to, to when I made that conscious decision of, man, I failed at that, but I'm not going to in the future. Like I'm going to, I'm going to remember that going forward and that's going to add to my success or wherever we are. So those little stories of failure, I know we all have them and that's the fun part of failures. It, it just connects us. So no matter what type of business you're in or uh, what season of life you're in, we all have these stories of failures. So, so that's been really fun to learn from other people. Well, let's do this. Let's jump into your story of failure in also leading into what you're doing now, how you have real estate, how you have a, obviously the business now with the podcast and everything like that. Tell us about that story and then you leading into where you are now where you're successfully unemployed. I'll go back a ways. I'll go back to when I was two. And and honestly, I think the the seed was planted for me when I was really young. My dad introduced me to baseball and uh, I loved baseball. I, I always wanted to play professional baseball. So uh, ever since I was two, I that was my goal. That was just what I was I was training for, what all my disciplines and character, I was just trying to get to that moment. Um, so, you know, I ended up playing a lot in grade school and middle school, and that led to uh, high school and had some success there, got recruited to college, and then played in college and had some success in college as well. So I just thought all were opening to playing professional baseball and kind of fast forward through my college career, um, had a good, really good senior season and into my junior year and, uh, wound up having a trial with the Cubs. And, um, I, they wound up saying, Hey, we like you, here's a draft number. Uh, you know, we'll talk to you on draft day. So, so I think for me, all the doors seemed like they were opening and, you know, life and whatever, you know, college was just kind of lining up where I thought this is my next step in life. I just got married. And, um, so we were planning for what that looked like. And uh, kind of long story short, uh, didn't wind up getting drafted on draft day and it hurt really bad. Um, I remember watching the draft and then when I, the moment I realized it wasn't going to happen, I, I kind of shut my laptop and just cried and it was, it was pretty tough, but it was one of those moments where I, I feel like uh, it led to the book. It led to the podcast. It was a moment of failure because honestly, um, you know, it was 18 years of, of grinding and sacrificing uh, to get to that moment. And when that door was shut, it hurt. Uh, but in that moment, I kind of stepped back and, and realized that, you know, I could either look at it and look at myself as a big failure, or uh, I can transition and do a new season of my life. And, and for some reason, I had peace about not playing baseball anymore, even though it hurt. Uh, so I kind of moved on and, and Kendra, my wife, was really supportive at the time and said, hey, if you want to go play independent ball or travel, I'm, I'm there for you. I'm, I'm with you. So uh, that was really helpful. But for some reason, I just knew that uh, maybe I was meant to do something else, even though I had no idea what that was at the time. But I know it planted a seed in my mind, and um, you know, maybe maybe somewhere or some some way I can encourage others to say, you know, in your moments of failure where you feel like a big failure, whatever that is, um, there there's probably another door that's going to open for you. So so don't let those those failures weigh you down. Um, just look at it more of a, as a lesson and, and a transition to a new new season of life. So with that, 
you now, like, was it during that time that you decided to start investing in buying, you know, properties and start doing that? Was it after? How did that transition into you now being able to get real estate as well as anything else that you really need want to do in order to get to become successful and employed? Yeah, that's a great question. So I went the job route uh, right after that happened. So I was like banging down doors. How do I get a job? I was uh, graduated from from college had a degree. So in my mind, I'm thinking, I got to go get a job. I got to do this. So I wound up having a friend who uh, I got turned down by so many jobs out of college. And so it confused me so much because I'm like, I have a degree. I've literally like I had a design degree. No one would hire me. Everyone's like, oh, you need experience. I'm like, well, that's why I went to college. And it was it was really frustrating, to be honest. Uh, but I actually wound up, um, I had a friend who owned, uh, his family owned a gas station and like a popcorn company. So I wound up he had a spot. I pop popcorn for like six months in the back of this gas station. And I still, it's uh, I, Ozark Mountain popcorn is what it's called. I still love it. Still, still love the family still runs it. I still see them. I buy it, you know, at Christmas every year. Um, but anyway, I did that for six months. And uh, so he, you know, one of my good, good childhood friends came through and just, you know, stepped in and said, Hey, we can, we can use help here. So uh, kind of did that, went on to uh, another job, another job, another job. And then fast forward to that, um, we had kind of been working on the side doing design stuff. So in the back of our minds, we always thought, you know, we'd love to work for ourselves and not be employed by others. And we came to the moment where I actually uh, got fired from my job. And I think it was a good kick in the butt um, from none other than than God, and uh, he's kind of pushing us, pushing us out the door. So from that moment, uh, that morning when I got fired, Kinder and I went out and we found a spot, and we basically decided that day that we really didn't want to work for anyone else again. We didn't want to put our our careers in the hands of someone else. And um, you know, there's a lot of people that do that, and there's nothing wrong with it. But for us, we just made that decision. We wanted to to better ourselves. So from that point forward. Uh, we did, we started a design company and, uh, we were in there in the building. We, we found an old beat up building in downtown Springfield. We fixed it up, came to an agreement with a landlord and, uh, about three, four years in, actually, he came to us and said, Hey, I'm thinking about, um, selling the building. Would you guys like to buy it? And that was honestly, uh, the moment we fell into real estate. We really didn't know much at that time. And it just made sense. The numbers made sense. We had tenants upstairs. So we bought the building, um, specifically, I think he wound up uh, selling to us for $320,000, which was a lot of money for us at the time. And Hey guys, get my real estate investing course. Absolutely for free. Text the word rental. R-E-N-T-A-L-233-777. Rental to 33777. And I'll give you, literally give you my real estate investing course showing you how to find an area of the country to invest, how to build the business first, how to scale the business, buy the right properties, making $250 or more every single month in passive income. I'll literally just give it to you. You can get started investing right away. Text the word rental to three three seven seven seven. Um, and it's it's one of those things where again the numbers made sense. We had a piece about it and we bought it. We really we were both on the same page. We bought it, and then uh, we wound up I don't know six months later starting an Airbnb. It was early with Airbnb. We found the magic and we fell in love with real estate and we just kept buying real estate. We kept buying other Airbnbs and. And the, the, the plan the whole time was just to, to offset and kind of balance our, uh, our income. Cause I've always heard, and, you know, I learned that, you know, a, a millionaire has seven different streams of income. So I wasn't really on the track, right? I didn't, didn't necessarily want to be a millionaire. I just knew I had, we had to be spread out in, in how we were making income if we wanted to be, um, successfully unemployed. 
So what are your, can you give us the different streams of income that you have now? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, first one, I may miss some too. So the first one is we've got still stock royalties. So we've got four or five different, uh, royalty sites that come in. Um, I, do you want me to give you specific amounts or how do you, how do you want me to, if do you're that? up to it? Yeah, that'd be, yeah. that'd be great, but you don't have to. Yeah. So I would say anywhere, um, on the stock, stock photography stuff, anywhere from a thousand to, uh, I don't know, 5,000 a month, it kind of fluctuates, um, for all of them, for all of them combined. Yeah. And then we've got, um, some app uh, royalties and other business royalties we get that fluctuate anywhere from two to 5,000. Again, it just kind of depends on the month. Uh, and then real estate, um, honestly, we probably, I don't know, from a, from a month to month, we probably gross and I don't know what, what the net would be, but we're probably grossing anywhere from 15 to 20,000 a month on, on real estate. So, um, it definitely provides for us, uh, a good income and it, it, more importantly, it just provides, uh, freedom for us to, to do what we want to do. And like I said, show up in Orlando, meet you. Uh, it just gives us flexibility and kind of peace of mind. Yeah. Being able to do what you want with your own time, as opposed to trying to get time off from work or something like that, like creating something passively, that passive income that you've created, everything from the stock photography to the real estate investing, um, even having a podcast. If you put a podcast episode out there, you have a sponsor, then you're going to be able to make money passively, which is so much better than working an hour and then getting paid for the hour, like an active um, employment. We don't want to do that. So with having passive income, it seems like well, let's just look at the stock photography because I personally think, man, that's literally working one time and then getting paid over and over again. Like if you take pictures now, it seems to me it would be very, very hard. Like you're going to need a lot of pictures, a lot, a lot just to get, let's say anybody even buying your, your um, uh, pictures as opposed to, you know, making a thousand to five thousand dollars. If we wanted to get started doing the stock photography is it something like as easy as getting a camera and finding websites that sell them? Or how would we get started doing that? Yes, I would encourage anyone to do that. Uh, it really is as, as simple. Honestly, we we shoot stock photography now and we did, you know, back then too. You can shoot it with your your iPhone now. So you can find a site, you can get accepted. Uh, you do have to apply on, on most sites, but you can shoot photography on your iPhone. And I've literally done it before where I've taken a picture on my iPhone and uploaded it to the site within like five seconds. Um, so that barrier to entry has definitely lowered, but it's like anything, you really have to take it small steps at a time. And it's like, I, I grew up on a farm, so I always do farm analogies, but it's a lot of like planting seeds. I mean, you have to plant seeds with stock photography and you have to know that um, whatever you plant today may not come to harvest for six to nine months, but you just don't get discouraged. Like keep uploading, keep, you know, set small goals, set goals of, I'm going to upload five to 10 photos today. And then I'm going to do that tomorrow and tomorrow. And it's, it's a compound effect. So, uh, I think the first, the first month we did it, uh, we went out, we bought camera equipment and we actually did it, uh, to kind of, again, offset whenever we weren't doing client projects, I didn't want to just be sitting around. So I said, Hey, Hey, Kendra, how about we do stock photography? That way we can fill our time, you know, when we're at the office and we'll do this when we don't have client work. That's how it started. And I think the first month we did it, uh, we, we wound up, you know, spending thousands in camera equipment and the first month we made 27 cents and Kendra looked at me and was like, what are you like, what is happening? Like, is this really anything? And, uh, it, again, it's, it's this compound effect. And I think month two, we made like a dollar 20 and then the next month it was $5 and then 10. And it, it was just this, this slow and steady growth. And that's, that would be, if I could encourage anyone 
Um, just remember that slow and steady growth. That's what you want. You don't want to just have something that immediately overnight you make hundreds of thousands of dollars because I really feel like it's not going to teach you anything. So, um, with that, with stock photography, yeah, just grab your iPhone, find a site. You can do Shutterstock, iStock. Um, some of those are bigger and maybe they're harder to get into, but there's smaller ones, um, more niche ones like, um, Lightstock, the one that we're a part of, it's more of a niche, uh, Christian, uh, church-based stock site. You can do that. Um, but again, just, just start digging into it. I bought several books and then grab your iPhone. You don't have to go out and buy a ton of fancy equipment, grab your iPhone, start figuring out what people want, study that, and then, um, start uploading, start small and, and go from there. Do you have to be really good with taking pictures and like, like you said, get that, well, not getting thousands of dollars. Cause you have your iPhone, you have a cameras nowadays on phones are really, it's yeah. pretty amazing what they could do. But with that, do you have to really learn how it seems like you should learn what people are looking for and what, what are selling and what kind of shots yes. that, uh, look good as opposed to look horrible. Cause when I have my wife take pictures, they look pretty bad. When I take pictures, they look at least better. At least I, I try to make it look better because I think I have a little eye. My wife is just like, oh, okay, let's just, you know, the camera's crooked. Let's take a picture. Not to bag on her, but she doesn't take the pictures in the family. I do. So what should we do? Should we uh, take classes or just look on uh, stock yeah. photography sites and see what other people are doing? That's a great question. Yes, that's a big thing too. It's another story of failure. Early on when we were shooting, when we were um, taking pictures and uploading them, we got rejected all the time and it, it hurt because you'd upload something and like, no, this picture's not good enough. And so it's one of those things where you have to go back and it's a learned skill. I, I, I will be completely honest with you. I was not this like amazing picture taker early on. I learned, I learned from courses online. I learned from books. I learned from seeing good photos, what people were searching for, and then just putting that in my mind. So uh, in all honesty, I was a terrible photographer when I started out, but the more you do it and the more you, you see what people are looking for, the better you'll get. So, uh, again, when people hear that, oh, you're a stock photographer, you're making thousands of dollars a month from stock photography. Well, the secret is I wasn't a good photographer. You just, it was a bunch of trial and error and a bunch of learning. So yeah, get books. There's tons of online courses you can get. Uh, and there's a lot of different avenues that you can, you can increase your, your knowledge and your artistic eye for photography. So would you continue or do you continue to take more pictures? Is that something that you, you try to do? Because it seems like, I mean, if you are at at all, if you had that skill and you could just take a picture one time and upload it again, might as well keep doing it. But what are your thoughts about growing that business and trying to scale it up to where you could become successfully unemployed with that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would say uh, again, start small, but yeah, as far as us, we, we don't do as much as we used to, cause we do have, we've just kind of turned our attention elsewhere, but yeah, we, I mean, we became successfully unemployed through stock photography. I mean, it wasn't real estate. Um, we had some side business as well, but honestly, the stock photography gave us that, um, that cushion or, you know, that foundation to go out and take more risks in business or not have to go out and get a ton of business overnight. We could again, like form relationships and not go out and just have to beg for work. So, uh, at one point, honestly, our stock photography paid all our bills and then paid when we owned the building, it was paying our mortgage on our, on our, um, commercial building as well. So we were definitely, uh, successfully unemployed through stock photography. So it, uh, it can work. So with podcasting, or YouTubing, like eventually if you stop producing, it'll eventually die off. Like if you stop putting out a next episode, you stop putting out the next video on YouTube, it'll eventually die off. 
is that similar with stock photography or is it because it's there, they'll continually find it over and over again or other new people will, or do you have to keep feeding it like these other mediums? Yeah, you do have to keep feeding it. Uh, we still get some royalties, but for us, it was uh, when we were like heavily, I think we had a goal of three to 500 images per month. And when we were hitting that consistently, I mean, we saw consistent growth and I think we, I, I came up with, I'm kind of sometimes a numbers nerd. So I came up with this like formula that, we could expect to make the next month like 25 cents per photo that we uploaded. Um, so that was kind of the rhythm. So if we're uploading, you know, 500 photos, we're going to add a hundred bucks next month. And so it's just a stacking effect. So uh, we got up to at one point, I think we, uh, two, two or three months in a row, we had passed where we got $10,000 uh, in one month from royalties, which we were just blown away. I mean, again, we went from 27 cents to 10,000 in one month. And just, it's crazy to think about, but it, it happened. Um, but again, going back to that, it, when we stopped kind of feeding and, and, um, you know, uploading new photos every month, it did slow down. So it's, it's been like a big bell curve, uh, when we were loaded, when we were uploading and, and really involved in it, um, the royalties kept coming in and as we've stepped away, they've definitely slowed down. So do these, do these sites, do they give you like a suggestion? dollar amount or however many cents or whatever it is per photo, or do you get to mark your own or is every site different? Every site is different. So there's some membership sites. There's some sites that only do credits. Um, so you kind of just have to look at their royalty structures too, like Shutterstock and iStock are two of the biggest and they barely pay you anything. So some of these smaller ones, like the niche ones, they'll, it's more like a partnership and you get paid, you know, 50, 50. If someone buys a photo for 10 bucks, you get a $5 um, royalty from that. So we like the niche sites, honestly, because I mean, you can make a lot of money and there's a huge um, customer base on the big sites. We just loved and uh, kind of gravitated to the, the niche sites uh, because of that. But yeah, every site's different. There is a site, there's a creative market site, which that's another stream of income. We, um, we used to, we still have them up there, but we design design templates. So whenever other designers are designing, they can download a brochure template or something like that and use on those sites, you can actually, um, set your own price and then you get anywhere from, you know, a 40 to 60% royalty, depending on what, what that site is. I mean, if you're doing 500 a month, 500 pictures a month, yeah. would it be at all wise to start your own stock photography website and literally just have your own pictures and have other people submit and create your own, like, you know, what Shutterstock or whatever it is. Um, would that be at all something that you should look into? Yeah, we looked into it. Uh, but we just love the partnership model because there's so much that goes into a website. I know you're, you're very aware of that. There's so much work that goes on the back end. We just wanted to focus on taking the pictures, making them look good. Cause you know, we're dealing with models and shoots and all this. We don't have to deal with the website as well. So we just felt like, uh, all in all, um, we could focus more on producing and then we let the the content creators um, and the website creators run their, their, so they focus on the website, they focus on marketing and all that. So it was really with Lightstock, we still, um, we still have those, those friends to this day and they're still mentors um, to this day, but uh, we just wanted to focus on what we were good at and then let them focus on what they were good at. And it, it worked out to be really uh, just a great partnership. So if somebody were to get started and you start, let's say they said, you know what, I know Justin and Kendra, what they did was they started going three to 500 a month. And let's say they wanted to work their way up. Let's say they want to get started. And in three months, they want to get their way to by the third month that they're putting 300 photos in a month. And to say also, and this uh, caveat is that these pictures are, um, accepted and they are in a quality like they would want, you know, somebody would buy it. 
how quickly would somebody go, not say from you know, 27 cents to 10,000, but like how quickly can somebody start making substantial money where, you know, if you have a car payment, $400, that's a car payment. You, you make some money to make up that car payment. What are your thoughts like? Is, is it like you said, a formula? Just keep putting in three to 500 a month. Like how soon could somebody really see some substantial income on the, from the, all the stuff for photography? Yeah, that's a great question too. Um, yeah, I would say for us, I mean, just speaking from experience, we, again, it's like anything I do. And I think it's something I've been taught. You just break it up into little chunks. So I would say within three months, let's say for us, honestly, which we don't even, we don't even have this anymore, but the very first thing we wanted was, you know, I was like, I want to cover my Netflix bill. It was like nine 99, which we don't even have a Netflix bill anymore, but that was the first goal. So you hit that first goal. I think by month three, we had had $10. Uh, a month like for the whole month we hit we hit that i'm like this is awesome okay let's go next to our uh, phone bill and that was like 50 bucks a month and then you just kind of keep stair stepping you hit these little goals because I, I do believe that we definitely need encouragement along the way and you need to be hitting these little goals uh, but then going backwards you just when early on you you have to expect to fail you know that you're going to do that like i said the first couple of months we had so many photos rejected and sometimes it was maddening because you know we're we see it like this is the best photo we've ever taken but to someone else who's been doing it for years and curating it's like, hey, that's that's not good enough yet. And it wasn't this, this, um, I don't know, it wasn't on us and saying that we are like terrible people or you know, we shouldn't do this. It was just it was part of the system. So I think you just have to expect expect that as you're going. So as you're starting month one, expect to fail hard. So expect to just get rejected constantly and just know that's part of it and then learn from it. They'll give you feedback on what why it was rejected take that to heart and then try and do better on the next one. Um, so by month two, I would say you could probably start getting more, um, more photos accepted. And then by month three, once you kind of get the flow of things and you see what people are looking for, maybe what's selling, then you can really start thinking about, okay, well, I can work towards that, that phone payment. And then month four, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to save up and I'm going to pay two phone payments, or I'm going to move on to my car payment and then my house payment. Uh, so I would say, honestly, if you can be consistent over a year doing that month in, month out, and just know it's going to be slow by the end of the first year, I could almost guarantee you, you could have enough money in a monthly income to be paying your mortgage. That sounds amazing. I mean, for, for most people that are just working a regular day job, you know, trading in an hour for money, it is so much work. Like you can't do it over. You, ha you have to do it over, over again. Eventually you're going to die and you're, or retire or you can't do it anymore. And then you, all the money runs out. So man, that is awesome. Now, Justin, I know people are going to want to check out your podcast. I definitely suggest everybody should. How can people find you online and see everything that you're doing and reach out to you? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, you can find me on, I'm on Instagram or um, Twitter. I'm at Justin C. Skinner. You can find the website. Uh, it's www.professional-failure.com. And that's got all the links to the podcast and my social links. And then uh, actually, we kind of talked about this um, down at Orlando. Uh, people are like, oh, you got to get on TikTok. I'm not a TikTok fan. I, I hope and pray I never have to get on TikTok. So I'm not on TikTok. So I hate to, to hate to bust people's bubbles, but I can't. I just can't do TikTok. No, when I got on there the first time, because somebody told me, like another influencer said, you really got to be on TikTok. So I tried it. I couldn't get past all the, you know, 15-year-old dancing girls. I was like, dude, I'm just, after about five minutes, I was like, I can't stand this. I'm getting off. And they said, well, you didn't give it long enough. You got to give the algorithm, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't care. I'm yeah. done with it. <laughs> I'm done. I'll stick to my podcasting and YouTube. That's what I'll stick to. Exactly. Man, exactly. Justin, 
It's been great having you on the show. I really appreciate it. Is there anything else? I know we are almost wrapping up, but it just seems like, is there anything, any other failure in everything you've done with this stock photography that we should know before we jump off of this? Yeah, as far as specific one within stock photography, um, yeah, I would say do not. So early on, it's going to seem like a lot of money to buy, if you're wanting to buy camera equipment like Canon or Nikon or, Nikon or anything like that. Um, I think the biggest jump we made of getting photos accepted was buying prime lenses. So if you're looking into that, um, you, there's a bunch of lenses out there that are, that are cheap. Like there's three different levels of lenses. So there's like basic cheap levels, there's mid-level and there's prime. If you can skip the cheap levels, your photos will be instantly better. So I would say there's some of that is the equipment. So just keep that in mind. Um, the better equipment you can buy and you can afford, the more likely uh, you'll get those accepted because all that, all that data is stored on these photos. So if, if you're shooting something on a really cheap camera equipment, it better be really, really good because the curator can see all that info. And then I would say you have more flexibility if you have nicer equipment. So I don't know if that helps at all, but that's one failure. I realized once we, once we bought the nicer equipment, uh, I think it made a, a big difference. And obviously it was coupled with us having experience. Uh, but that's one tip. If you can, if you can skip the cheap equipment early on, uh, it will help, uh, help alleviate some of those early on photo failures. Yeah. There's a saying, and I think it's a wise saying, there's nothing more expensive than cheap. You might yeah. think you are saving money by buying something cheap, but if it wears out or if it doesn't work as well as it should, it's expensive because you're going to have to buy the same thing over again and do it right the first time. I always try to teach uh, all my kids, like when they're cleaning the house, like sweeping the floor, I'm like, do it right the first time because then you have to go do it over again exactly. and you're just doubling the time, let alone if you're going to be buying something just like what we're talking about. I think it's a great, great piece of wisdom. If you're going to go buy something, err on the side of spending a little bit more getting the better quality stuff because you know in the end you're not gonna have to buy it again you know it's like you buy the cheap one you're gonna need to buy it all over again so man justin this is great i really appreciate your time i hope everybody checks out your podcast i think it's a great one i love learning from my failures as well as everybody else's so thank you so much for being on the show man dustin thanks for having me it's been a pleasure and thanks for all you do as well love your podcast i'm gonna keep listening to it Today's episode has been brought to you by the Real Estate Wealth Builders membership. That's the membership that I founded teaching people how to quit their J-O-B by investing in real estate rental properties. Now, Real Estate Wealth Builders is your place to learn how to invest in real estate with five different masterclass courses, group coaching with me, and a private student community where we all work together, all the tools and the discounts, all the resources and everything that you need to quit your J-O-B by investing in real estate. Now, I do want to show you how to do this completely for free. If you want to learn about investing in real estate for free, I want to get you my free real estate investing course. Text the word rental to 33777. That's R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. So you can see how you can quit your job, that J-O-B by investing in real estate. I'll show you how to find properties, how to use other people's money to buy properties and how to scale the business to be successfully unemployed just like I did. Now, did you also know that there are video versions of each and every single episode on the Successfully Unemployed show? Well, I did record every single one of these for you. I recorded them for you so you will be able to learn from the experts themselves, see what they're doing, see everything that they are talking about on this show visually and all their examples, all their slides, all their pictures that they even draw. 
Everything is on there. Go to successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube. Or if you just go to YouTube and type in successfully unemployed, more than likely you're going to find me. So successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube. And I would truly appreciate it if you subscribe to Successfully Unemployed on YouTube and wherever you're listening to this podcast, subscribe to this show so that you can always get every bit of new information on how to quit your J-O-B. Also, if you got anything out of the show, share it with just one person. Share it with just one person so that they can see the light that it is so much better to not work a job, be successful, unemployed, and be your own boss. All right, guys, this is it for today's show. I will see you next week. See ya. See ya.